40 hours of his arrival at the Bar BQ guest ranch, every corral dog on the place was aware of the identity of the new dude who called himself Peters. The ropers saddled and blindfolded the pony. One of them, a lithe, broad-shouldered young fellow, swung to the back of the animal. As soon as his feet had found the stirrups, the blind was slipped from the eyes of the bronco and the horse released. Instantly, the three-year-old swept into cyclonic action. The battle was magnificent. The young range horse pitched wildly, went sunfishing, whirled in the air, and fought savagely to dislodge the human clothespin clamped to his back. One of the girls on the fence swung her cowboy hat and shouted encouragement. Ride him, Jim! Stick to him! The dudes joined in a chorus of applause. Scalisi said nothing. His eyes foliated the movements of an infuriated animal until it had been ridden to a standstill. Bully for you, Jim, the enthusiastic girl cried. That's riding, boy. Jim slipped from the saddle and smiled at her. Scalisi laughed satirically. The young rider looked at him a little surprised. A Chicago cop could ride that rocking horse, Pete said with a sneer. All present looked at Scalisi and nobody said anything. In that silence, he turned and strutted back to the house. Why he had spoken as he had, Pete did not know, unless it was because he was in bad humor and because it always annoyed him not to be the center of attention. In his home city, wherever he went, men observed him with stealthy, awed glances. The newspapers recorded his movements as British journals do those of the Prince of Wales. To come to a hick ranch in the sticks and to find that people were more interested in the performance of a bronco peeler than in the great Scalisi was irritating. It was absurd, the extravagant way these girls admired this Jim Falconer merely because he could ride a horse. The incident at the corral was of a piece with the rest of Pete's behavior. His superiority took the offensive form of jeering at the West and all its products. This was a desolate country. The inhabitants were boobs. Anyone living in it was buried alive. Since the other guests were distant, even though very civil, Pete's contemptuous comments were offered chiefly to the employees of the barbecue. In spite of his lavish tips, he was cordially detested by them. To use the old phrase of the cow country, they walked around him whenever they could. Sometimes they could not escape him. Jim Falconer was the chief victim. He had been selected as a guide by Scalisi on his riding trips into the hills, not because the gang leader liked him, but because he could gratify his resentment against the young cowpuncher by sneering at all of the things that made up his life. Scalisi was not a good rider. He was an incurable tenderfoot and could be taken into a tangle of hills and lost hopelessly a mile or two from the ranch house. He made a virtue of his limitations. You're a hundred years behind the times, he said scornfully. Bella, I've got two planes and five autos for my personal use. Back home, I wouldn't be caught dead on a horse. Jim said, no, sir, in a voice gentle but expressionless. His inscrutable gray eyes regarded the distant hills. One of Scalisi's complaints against him was that he never made conversation. In words of one syllable, he answered questions. Yes, it is, he would say, or we turn to the right here. Are all Arizonans such dumb eggs? Pete once asked him in exasperation. Why don't you take a trip to Chicago or New York and get on to yourself? 
Falconer had been to both cities, but he did not say so. Mr. Scalisi would have been surprised at the things he thought but did not say. He was a reservoir of unvoiced criticism, though his exceedingly grave, respectful manner conveyed no hint of it. All this stuff I've heard about the West is bunk, Pete informed him. Take these bad men we're always writing up. They were false alarms. If I had this Billy the Kid in my town for about a week, I'd make him eat out of my hand or I'd blast him out of the way. Automatically, Jim said, yes, sir. In the dining room, Scalisi devoted as much time to Rose Dunn as he did to eating. He always dressed for dinner and in the same course of three days appeared in six different suits for breakfast and luncheon. Never very sure of herself, Rose was flustered by the cold, impudent stare of the man. She felt his black, beady eyes stabbing at her. Though she rarely looked at him, she...